You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking about, a, a, I think, a very interesting and controversial subject. It's about who owns the real estate in the state of Israel. Does Palestine have any claim to the land there? What's going on? And the reason for this question we're going to ask tonight was an article by Alison Weir of If Americans Knew. It was in Counterpunch, and it's entitled MSNBC, Martin Flesher, Disavow Image of Palestine Being Wiped Off the Map. And we'll have a link to the story to get the details. But many people have actually seen the map that has four different maps, Palestinian loss of land from 1946 to present. And this was on MSNBC, so it's a mainline media-type outlet. And uh, the host of a show uh, here in October, Kate Snow, talked about Palestinian living in smaller areas. On the show, they showed this map. And the commentator, Martin Fletcher, who has supposedly been a correspondent for some many years in the Middle East, confirmed that, yes, indeed, the areas were shrinking where the Palestinians are living. They actually have become what is known as Bantustans. You've got all these illegal settlements and roads intersecting. You've got the separation wall that goes inside Palestine. It cuts off Palestinian villages from other Palestinian villages. It just goes torturously through the West Bank. It's not on the Green Line. Well, anyway, for that little ray of truth that was broadcast why it brought the wrath of the Israeli patriots and Zionist supporters of Israel that they had to step back and make apology and make some wild claims and Allison does a very good job of addressing that so we won't really go into that but we want to go into the question who actually owns the land and One of the fundamental things that we hear all the time at these vigils from Christian Zionists, well, there never was a Palestine, and so they don't have any title to land. But let's reflect from our old Bible Sunday school lesson about David and Goliath. And as we remember, David was a member of what tribe? The Israelites. Who was Goliath? He was a Philistine. Yes, he was a Philistine, which is the ancient name for Palestine. And if you do a search in your Bible, I just did one here on Bible Gateway and put in Philistine, and there were 247 results. And those are all in the Old Testament. The bulk of these, of course, are in 1 Samuel and in 2 Samuel. But they're spread out among uh, 15 other different books in the Old Testament. 
And so they were actual people there in the area where the Israelites and the Judahites lived way, way back, hundreds of years before Christ was born. So let's talk about this, Chuck and Craig Hansen. Well, first of all, it is tremendous progress that MSNBC would ever show this accurate map of the theft of the Palestinian land because that's never been done before on a national media, I don't think. This current modern state of Israel has a tremendous problem that they seek to overcome, and that is that they have taken all of the land that they occupy by conquest, except for a few, few hundred acres, I guess, which were at one time purchased by Jewish people. But even so, the occupation of the land, which was always called and has been called on the maps for 1948, Palestine, that's the land that Israel occupies. I have a globe on my desk, so it's got to be a pretty old globe. It's got to be before 1948. And it's not dated. It was used by every schoolboy at one time. This would have been a little schoolhouse globe. And it shows the present-day state of Israel and Palestine as Palestine. And so we're all a maps part of that time. Israel is very anxious to have the support of Christians. And the biggest supporters of Christians are, of course, very devout fundamentalist Christians who believe in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. And so Israel is very anxious, if they're going to keep that support, to make it appear that they never stole the land of the Philistines. They simply took it back, or God had given it to them originally. They were gone for a while, and they just decided to return. This is the story that is believed by 40 to 60 million Christian Zionist or Christian Zionist influenced evangelicals in America. Israel has this land, and they're told this every day by their own pastors and preachers, because God gave it to, to the Israelis who landed there in 1948. They didn't give it to them in 1948. God had already given it to them 3,000 years before that. And uh, so in order to be in keeping with the commandment, thou shall not steal, which includes stealing people's property. Israel makes a great big thing out of the notion that they really own the land all along. And thus, as we go to churches and talk to Christian, evangelical Christians, it's very common for us to ask them very simply, why do you think the Israelis have the right to steal the property of the Palestinians what gives them the right to kill the Palestinians because they don't like their actions? And the answer always comes back. They never answer the second question. There never was a Palestine. There never was a state of Palestine. It doesn't exist today. It never did exist. It's not on the map. This is the argument made. In 2013, when we were holding a vigil at Trinity Life Center, Senior Pastor Chuck Sealstead who's written to us since, came out and talked to us, and Craig was there. And I asked, Chuck Steele said, the questions I invariably ask people whenever I have a chance to talk to them, where do you get the notion that the state of Israel has the right to take the lives of people's children? And where do you get the notion that Israel has the right to take the land 
of the Palestinians. And Dr. Seal said, said to me very quickly and without hesitation at all, there never was a Palestine. There is no Palestine. It's not on the map. In other words, his answer to how can Israel steal these people's land is that these people didn't have a country, he says. They were not on the map. This is basically Israel's technique for getting around thou shalt not steal the land. And it's very important to them because they need an answer to that. And this answer that they've trumped up, there never was a Palestine, is, of course, specious. And it's based on technical arguments that the Palestinian territory, which was occupied in 1948 by the Palestinian people, was not a legal state. It was a protectorate of Great Britain, and it had been a part of Syria prior to being taken over by Great Britain. Great Britain then uh, went ahead and handed it over to the state of Israel in a piece of paper called the Balfour Agreement. Alison Weir has approached this very logically. She simply said, simply because the Palestinians' name was not on the land, because it was not a recognized state, recognized by other states, in other words, but that doesn't mean that they didn't own the land there. They had keys, property ownership, a system of property ownership, and uh, they functioned as a state, even though the United Nations hadn't recognized them as a state at that time and never has recognized Palestine as a state. So the argument that Israel makes that they have a right to the state would be something like I might make if I walked into Whitehall in London and said, I'm taking over, my name is Carlson, it's not on any document here, but I am a Viking. And as you probably know from your history of Great Britain, the Vikings occupied this whole state, including Ireland and Wales, from 793 to 1066 A.D. That may have been a thousand years ago, but I'm putting forth my right as someone with Viking blood to take over my share of England. That is the equivalent to the Israelis' claim to the land. They essentially just conquered it and said it's ours. Their claim that they didn't conquer it, that they didn't steal it, is simply based upon this presumption that Palestine did not exist or as far as they could not steal from them. Well, Chuck, I might point out, you mentioned the uh, Balfour Declaration here. Let me just read this. This was to the Zionist Lord Rothschild that put pressure on the British government, and this was uh, November 2nd, 1917. So Lord Balfour says, quote, His Majesty's government view with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this objective, it being clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine or the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any other country, unquote. So they were in essence, referring it to as an area as Palestine. And so the fact that the Zionists say that it didn't exist and came up with the expression, a people without a land in a land without people. And so they actually erased, in that expression, they actually erased the Palestinians 
from ever being there, which, of course, is a big lie. And we know that over 750,000 Palestinians were forced off their land by the Zionists from 1947 to 1949. Yes, you've got a clear case of that. It's just covered up with semantics. Craig probably has something to respond to this. Chuck, the big difference between your Viking ancestry is that God didn't give you the land of England. See, that's the big difference. And God gave the land uh, to the Israelites. One thing I've never heard at one of our Kufi events is they love to quote scripture. It literally means what it literally means. And they love the word forever because that's the one they use over and over again. But I've never heard them quote Deuteronomy 28. And Deuteronomy 28 makes it really clear. Verse 36, the Lord will drive you and the king you set over you to a nation unknown to you or your ancestors. You will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone. You will become a thing of horror, a byword, and an object of ridicule among all the peoples where the Lord will drive you. And then verse 45, all these curses will come upon you. They will pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord your God and observe the commands and decrees he gave you. They will be a sign and a wonder to you and your descendants forever, because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. That's the end of the forever that they never talk about in the Kufi events. Clearly from Scripture, the only way the Israelites were to come back to the land was to come back in obedience and total dedication uh, to the Lord God. And if anyone were to say that the state of Israel today is a God-fearing, God-honoring state, I don't see any way that they could even make that with what's going on over there. And clearly from Jesus' teachings and John the Baptist, the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees were anti-God teachings. And Jesus makes that very clear. And John says, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. There's so much clear explanation in the New Testament that the Jewish people at that time were not honoring God. Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. So there's no right to the land in disobedience. So any land grant that they may have had way back when was nullified with their disobedience, and to reject the Christ is the, the ultimate of that disobedience. Well, yes, Craig, that's absolutely right. And secondly, not Benjamin Netanyahu or any other Israelite can show or demonstrate that he is an heir or um, that he has any of the same blood that Abraham had 3,000 years ago or that he even practices the, the same faith. There is no way anyone can prove that any more than I can exactly. prove that uh, Eric the Red was my uncle. I just don't have any proof of that, sorry. And in the absence of some DNA or something, I just don't think there's any way I could prove that, even if it did mean something. And so the question becomes, what is the worldwide national way we recognize property ownership? And you have to throw everything out from national courts and world understanding of property rights to say, oh, we, I can come and take your property away from you. It's totally incongruous with uh, the way everything's done in the world. That's right. And that makes perfect sense to you and I. But somehow Christian Zionists, they claim that they have, and are so obedient to God that God's word comes first, and therefore nothing else counts. That God comes, God's law comes before man's law, and therefore you don't have to observe that. And they just fall back on that, on that old argument, God gave it to 
they usually say to the Jews, and it's still theirs, they would say. I think what's important, Chuck, is that many Jews did not even agree with the political Zionism, that it was, it, that was considered a heretical teaching even among Judaism back in the, the late 19th century. So this is not something that is a, is a Jew versus Christian versus anything else. This is basically just a violation of international property rights. Absolutely right. So maybe we can take a little time to think about how the best way to approach someone's 10-year-old child or 16-year-old, let's say, whose parents are Christian Zionists and whose mind is still kind of open. How would you explain it to him? One way that sort of helps, if we go back to the ancient semantics of the days of the Israelites, we're not in the days of the Israelites anymore. They call themselves Israelis. And the Israelites were never Jews. They were something else. That's what they're called. If you go back to the days of the Israelites, what is the term for the Palestinians? Well, it's Philistine. If you look up in the encyclopedias, the ancient maps of the Philistines, there's very significant uh, reference to the Philistine people. There's a wealth of archaeological finds that uh, show the pottery, the steelwork, the bronze work, uh, other artworks that they did. Uh, they left behind relics. They left behind structures. They left behind all kinds of evidence of their being. And they actually were there prior to, it appears, according to the archaeologists and according to Egyptian uh, relics left behind, there are reference to the Philistines occupying the same land where they are today, long before there were Israelites. For instance, one of the passages in Scripture of the Old Testament talks about when the Israelites left Egypt, they took a southern route to avoid running into the Philistines. Mm -hmm. uh, so before there was uh, an exit from Egypt, according to the Israelis' own writings, the Philistines were in their way. They were there. And the Philistines occupied, of course, cities like Gaza and Ashdod, all the way to what's presently Tel Aviv. And there's a lot of records of that. So why don't we call these people the Philistines? Certainly, there's as much reason to believe that the people living there today are the Philistines as to believe that the people who came there from uh, Europe in 1948 were related to somebody who lived there. That's a very good point, Chuck. I think the case can be made clearly from the New Testament that property rights are valid. Jesus talks in the parable about the man who finds the treasure and then goes sells everything he has and goes buys that property so that he can have legal access to that treasure that was on the property. To come in and say, oh, I, I like that property and it's, I'm just going to take it. it. It reminds me more of Ahab and Jezebel who, who goes out and kills the guy, Nabal, and then, then confiscates the property. That's kind of what we're seeing now. We're not seeing the, the, the biblical mandate to sell everything and then go buy the treasure. No, it's more than they have been Jezebel. Yes, I think the point about theft is a very important point to make and discuss the notion that the Israelis are thieves who have taken the land by brute force. From the beginning, like uh, when Tom read the Balfour Declaration, uh, they tried to buy property 
from the Palestinians back in the late 30s, early 40s, and but they only got about 4% of, of the land by doing that way, and that definitely wasn't fast enough for the, the Zionist groups like Ergon and the Stern Gang. They, had a, they wanted to do it faster than that. That was a legal way to purchase land and set up your own little group if you wanted to. It was a legal transfer of property rights. They started that way, and then it, then it went south from there. Right. It also is a fact that in Theodore Herzl's day, he attempted to get the Rothschild family and other wealthy, super wealthy Jewish families who he was sure would finance this venture of his uh, to put up the money to buy the rights to Palestine from the Ottoman Turks. The Mahdi or whoever uh, was the chief Turk in charge, Herzl actually negotiated with. His problem was that the wealthy Jewish merchants and men in Europe would not put up the money to pay the Turks for the rights to Palestine. Now, had they done so, would they really have owned the land? No, because the Turks probably took it over by conquest too. That's probably how they got it, simply by occupation and, and conquest. And that's, of course, how the Romans acquired the Philistine, which they called it. But the Palestinian people do pronounce the word Philistine, and that is the Arabic pronunciation of the word Palestine. So we can make our arguments easier if we give the Palestinian people their rightful Philistine biblical name and let someone else argue with us uh, as to whether or not they really have the same blood and DNA as Philistines. Certainly is the name that they were given by the Romans, and that's been carried out in historical context ever since. So I think we'll try discussing the Palestinian people in the context of them being the biblical Philistines or the sons and daughters and generations of the once Philistines who occupied that land. All right. Well, thanks, Chuck and Craig, for your thoughtful comments here about this issue. And we know that it's a very difficult one. And we look, too, now at the fact that basically there is no chance for a two-state solution. We have a one-state solution in Israel, and they're slowly pushing out the Palestinians, making them uh, very difficult to live on the land that they occupy and own at this present time. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.